allies are people in positions of power who are willing to unlearn and reevaluate habits that may lead to marginalization of others. They do so with the intention to work in solidarity with that group. I guarantee you that was not the first time that surgeon said something inappropriate. None of you medicine should ever feel like you're alone, that you're the first, you're the only person who's been affected by this. It is systemic and it's definitely an issue. That's Dr. Shaban Westcott, co-director of the Indians into Medicine program at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences. In this episode of Making the Rounds, Dr. Westcott talks about facing prejudice and navigating power differentials during med school and residency, as well as the importance of allyship as a crucial defense against inequity. This conversation is facilitated by Brittany Ikwagu, AMA Government Relations Advocacy Fellow. Dr. Westcott has extensive firsthand knowledge of what a difference allies make for students from underrepresented backgrounds. She believes that anyone can be an ally and that medicine will be far improved for it. So without further ado, Dr. Westcott. Thank you. Hello, everyone. So I'm new to Nebraska, and for the first time, the entire state, instead of celebrating Columbus Day, celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day. And this was largely done by uh, non-native legislators. So further, there was a unveiling of a statue of the very first Native American physician. Her name was Dr. Susan LaFleche. Um, She's from Nebraska. So it was a woman, the first, um, first Native physician was a woman from Nebraska. And there had been a statue commissioned of her um, to appear outside of Health and Human Services right near the state capitol. And there was just a beautiful ceremony with with her descendants unveiling the statue. So it was was just a beautiful event, but that type of thing um, doesn't happen without the support of allies. Uh, Now, this was all done right where the community was in the forefront um, and consulted, but still, you know, that type of thing, just the Native communities can't do that on their own. Now, specifically talking about the field of medicine, and I've been reflecting with all of the burnout that we're seeing, even amongst med students, I won't go into details, Um, but it's terrifying to me. And med school was hard enough. I went to Harvard Med School, uh, for which I'm still trying to get this trademark, but uh, I was belittled by the best. Uh, So it does not sound better, belittled by the best trademark. I'm trying to get there. In any event, when there isn't a toxic environment, we're sort of happily surprised, but A lot of us just assume that there's going to be some level of toxicity, um, and that's not right. We shouldn't normalize that, but that's medicine. So I was thinking back to my med school days, and this was another, um, you just can't, if I wrote this um, as a story, people would be like, that's not, no, that would never happen. So I was often on call with the same tall, white classmate. So he um, he and I both wore our Harvard Med School sweatshirts with or uh, white coats with our name tags on them. 
And when we would get a call that there was a patient in the ER, we would go down there together. And this happened multiple times. I forgot exactly how many, but a nurse would come running up to me as we walked into the door and say, are you the translator? Now, I mean, it just, there's the white coat, same white coat, we're both wearing it. And the irony of the situation is that Andrew, my classmate was fluent in Spanish and could translate, but that just that assumption that someone of color, um, and I guess trying to be empathetic, I'm sure those nurses felt like they were, they were just overwhelmed and they really needed a translator and good for them for, for being excited to have a translator, but let's not make assumptions that, that a woman walking into the ER with some color in her skin um, has to be a translator. So, but Andrew was such a great ally and he started to just cut them off. Um, and I think there's a, I was thinking about this talk a lot because there's a, there's a push and pull between when, when people need help and when they don't, and that those aren't necessarily clean lines. So, you know, I just, I say proceed with some caution, but if, and if you, if you see anyone being belittled um, or assumptions made, uh, do even just stand near them, to, you know, and as you work through things, um, you could probably, I, I would start with your co-interns, for instance, if you're, if you're fourth year and you're heading into uh, residency, but any rotation, you know, I might even have that conversation with people um, because you say, how can we be supportive of each other if we face situations where our role in medicine is questioned or undermined? Because I, I really think we need to normalize that. Um, and that's part of being an ally. Um, because even though I think of ally as a person of color, mainly helping people of color, it can be anyone might need that allyship and we've, we've just got to have each other's backs. So I'll, I'll leave it right there for the moment. If anyone hates that idea or if they think it's the best thing ever, because I think there's going to be a range of reactions. I just think we've got to find ways to to be more systematic. Thank you so much, Dr. Westcott. Um, so you talked much about um, what it means to be a really good ally to kind of um, sticking together. And um, when it comes to us as medical students, how do we navigate that when um, it may be like a resident or attending or just someone who is further along in their medical career? Um, who we would need to kind of speak out against? How do we navigate those different power differentials? Well, that's that's the rub because um, it's a minefield. 
and I, I hate to say these things because it really should not be this way. Nevertheless, I'm a pragmatist. I'm, that's the way it is. So let's figure out how we work it in. And I, I will say, fortunately, this, this didn't happen to me, but um, one of my, my classmates was in a surgery rotation and in front of the entire OR team, the attending surgeon said to the med student who was holding one of the hooks, um, it's too bad you're into this medicine path. You would make a great hooker. No one said a thing. Um, and we all just pretended like that hadn't happened, but spread the name around. And I feel like it's a lot similar to the Me Too movement in Hollywood, where everybody knew who was trouble and would try and just kind of gently warn people. but didn't want to come forward. So I guess it depends on which side of the Me Too line we're on. Is, is this so bad? I mean, if there's actual, um, and I even hate to, even saying this out loud doesn't sound right. If it's verbal harassment versus something more, um, it should definitely move forward. Uh, Anything else, I, I don't want to say just always speak out because there can be repercussions or shouldn't be, but I want you guys to be safe. So, you know, I would, I would love to see, you know, if I had been in that OR, um, I think about it now, I think, again, just standing near the person who's being attacked, just that physical presence, um, that has a visceral reaction for everyone involved. So I would kind of, that would be level one. Level two would be saying something, you know, I appreciate your thoughts. However, that's not helpful to our education. Um, now, again, that can give you blowback. So um, be wary. And level three would be reporting it to someone. And I, I feel like you know, once it's it's always good to know your dean of students really well. It's always good to know your um, if you're in rotations, who's who's in charge of that because uh, who's in charge of that makes a huge difference on whether you feel comfortable going to them. Uh, even to say, you know, I'm not sure what to do with this information. I wanted to share this with you, but I guarantee you that was not the first time that surgeon said something inappropriate. <laughs> he, worked, he worked his way up to that in a lot of different ways and obviously did not fear any repercussions. So, you know, I think once you are thinking about saying something, even if, again, you start with, uh, I don't know what to do this information, I don't know if I wanna do any formal reporting, um, that person has been reported before at some level in similar ways. So I don't want you to feel like none of you med students should ever feel like you're alone, that you're the first, you're the only person who's being affected by this. It is systemic and it's definitely an issue. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. 
We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Another question that I have is that um, sometimes for others, uh, allyship can be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's a good word to settle on. And so um, what would be your advice for those to kind of unpack where that discomfort come, can come from and how to move past that? You mean discomfort in being an ally or discomfort in needing an ally? Um. We can go with both, what that feels like to needing an ally and actually being one as well. Okay, Um, so I'll tell another little story. Uh, I was at Harvard right when they were starting integrated clerkships. And for those who aren't familiar, um, it used to be universally med students just did six weeks of surgeries, six weeks of internal medicine, et cetera. You just did blocks and you saw whatever patients came through. Integrated third-year clerkships um, is where you do all of them together for the whole year. So you have a panel of patients in different specialties and you have weekly clinics with them. So you, you, and if your patients are admitted to the hospital, then you take care of them there, which was really great for OB because you weren't just on the floor and whoever came in, you were helping them in in one of the most difficult moments of their lives versus knowing them for months before they um, go to deliver. So, but it was the year ahead of me that went first. And I had two really good friends and the eight people who tried this first. So that's (laughs) like, that's a lot of pressure uh, on them. And they, they had some not so good group dynamics and these two good friends knew me really well. I know it's a long story, but stick with me. It'll make sense in a second. <laughs> um, they both separately sat me down and said, you need to not work on the group dynamics. Because I did get into the second year. There was another eight of us. And they said, you know, you just need to, you need to be learning. You need to not worry about what the group is doing. Just do your thing. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And that, um, I ignored them. I worked on the group dynamics and that is the most functional group I have ever been in. We only disagreed once in the entire year. Um, and we, we, except for this one exception, which I'll tell you about in a second, um, we always decided on a plan and went to leadership as a group. So, you know, my opinion is strongly that everybody needs allies. Um, especially people of color, but everybody needs allies. You are not in this alone. It's so much more fulfilling when you are a part of a team, even if it's just two of say six med students in a rotation that you're sticking together and helping each other out, that is going to make it a thousand times better. And even more if it's all six of you, et cetera. So the one exception that we had was that Um, one of the attendings offered the med students to come do vaginal exams for women receiving abortions once they were under. 
So it wouldn't necessarily be with permission. And we, we split uh, by gender. So the four women were adamantly opposed to this and the four male med students uh, wanted, wanted that opportunity. And at some level, I understand because they, they weren't getting, obviously, you know, it was, they were asked, asking patients if they would allow them to do part of the exam and a lot of women weren't comfortable with that. So they weren't able to learn this key skill. Nevertheless, I mean, that's just, that's just wrong. So I, that was the only time we disagreed, but every other issue. And I even went against my own self-interest at the times. Cause I had, um, I had a great panel of patients in internal medicine who were regularly getting admitted. So I was getting good experience on both ends of the spectrum for care, um, but there were other students who weren't. So we went forward together to say, we would also like to have some ER ships um, where we might see patients that we don't know. And I would say, um, I understand that uncomfortableness being an ally um, or receiving allyship, because if you're receiving allyship, it's because someone is not respecting you. Mm-hmm. And how, what level of disrespect can vary, but it can be very small and it can be um, egregious, but it's going to happen to every med student. Um, I don't care who you are. And that's not right. I'll say that for the umpteenth time, but we, we all, if we stick together, we can eventually uh, make things better, but it will make your medical school experience a lot better. So since last year, um, we've seen a lot of health equity um, being involved in the conversation, especially as it relates to medical education. And I was wondering, um, What resources or things can us as medical students, um, should we be listening to or reading um, to kind of expand our knowledge base in this specific space? Well, uh, I'm just, I'm gonna go to the AMA strategic plan on health equity. It's it's long, but uh, it's very AMA where it's absorbable. You know, there's lots of figures and, you know, it's not like a lot of, it's not like first aid where you're just logging through stuff. It's, it's quite approachable. And even though it's 80 some pages, it's spectacular. So I would start there. There's a lot out there otherwise. And I don't know, I'm hoping, you know, that there's probably some med school forums with some, with some good stuff. I'm just not hooked into that, to that lane. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would definitely start with the health equity plan. How would you go about having the initial conversation with a peer or even someone with more power than you to be a good ally? Well, this is what I've been trying to figure out um, the right way to to have that conversation. And I, d- I don't have a good answer because it, it's also just, you know, obviously I am very much into having people get along and be appropriate. You know, it's not, I'm so demanding. However, um, I think I would say definitely to your peers, 
it just say, look, you know, we're probably going to face some times where one or more of us is not respected. Um, have you had that situation already? What would you like me to do? And then I can tell you, you know, my versions, because I think that's really, I, I hesitate in some way, because I think there were so many times in medicine when I went into an absolutely new arena, but we had such a, a patient facing a critical situation that we bonded very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it might be good even to, to wait until you've had that type of experience. And it just, it just breaks down walls uh, when you can be there for a patient, even if you can't do much. Um, people really, really do connect at a different level and conversations you might normally not have had until you knew them for months could happen after an hour. So um, I'm not going to give any hard and fast rules here. I will just say that it needs to happen. And then for, you, you can tell a lot of times your allies pretty quickly who are above you. And I would just be careful. I would find out who the decision makers are, try and meet with them if they don't already have that automatically, uh, you know, as a group, because, uh, you know, just size up whether it seems like you could approach them if there was a problem. And maybe even, you know, I don't, I think we had a lot of, you know, first day orientation type things where somebody gave a, a speech they've given a hundred times um, to, to just say, you know, if we have issues, um, who should we approach? And if they say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have any issues, then, you know, that's your answer, right? But if they say, oh, here's my cell phone number, call me if there's any problem, that's a different level. And usually it's going to be somewhere in between, but, um, and then I would just urge you, I know it's going to be, this is going to sound totally wrong, but it's not gonna be long before you guys are in charge of others. You're somebody above. I know, I know <laughs> your, your face, Brittany, but it's true. So be good to your med students. And as you move forward, be good to those who are under you and let them know that you, um, you are there for them because you remember all of the terrible things that you've been through. Um, and what it felt like, and then try to be better. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Westcott, for your time and coming to speak with us. Um, we are truly, truly appreciative of your time. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. This episode was originally part of the AMA's 2021 Medical Student National Advocacy Week. You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.